Hi, welcome to Haven. This is a podcast that's a safe space for curiosity and conversation. I'm your host, Haven, and today I'm curious about reading the room. Reading the room. What is it to read the room? I think at a base level, it's going into a group setting and being able to pick up on people's thoughts and feelings and behavior and mannerisms and just sociologically being in tune there. But I think what's especially fascinating about this topic is I would argue most people think they can read a room. I think most people, if you'd be like, do you have this ability? They would say yes. But my question is, do they really? Like, are we really accurately reading the room? Are you really picking up on what's actually there? Like, how do you even do that? What does it mean? And when I was thinking about this topic, like I truly was just sitting there thinking like, how do you actually read a room? Someone walked by and they smelled amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's an amazing perfume. It reminds me of this or whatever. And it like in an aggressive way, like assaulted my senses. I had to stop and focus on it. And then I thought like, this is kind of an adjacent topic to that of like, it involves the senses is if we like had named this, like how to smell a room, it might be more obvious of like, oh, that smells like garlic or that smells like a dog turd or, you know, like something that's so obvious. But what I even then I was like, okay, I'm going to go down this train of thought about smell. And it's not just the stimulus of a smell. We then immediately label it just like I did of like, oh, garlic, maybe someone's cooking. Then we add the story to it of, oh, it smells like garlic. Someone's probably cooking. We also then have like feelings attached to it of like, oh, like it feels so good when I had like, you know, certain pasta with garlic and it makes me hungry And then there's also stories or memories tied like with those smells of like, oh, it reminds me of my grandma's like garlic pasta that like I just love and is such a comforting thing to me. And so I realized that a smell in and of itself is just a smell. We as humans are like meaning making machines. We throw so much on top of what that is for good or for worse. Or for me, like I can't smell fresh cut grass without thinking of Little League and playing baseball. And it's such a great memory to me of like anytime there's a like someone mowing a yard it actually brings back great feelings to me. But also sometimes smells can be like very, very triggering, especially with memory. Like you may smell alcohol on someone's breath and then be like, that feels so unsafe. Maybe a parent was an alcoholic and it just brings back a lot of rushing in. Then you feel it in your body just from the same stimulus of a smell. So going back to reading a room, I was thinking, okay, in order to smell a room, read a room, we have to one, like be aware of what's picking up there but also be self-aware of what are my own interpretations I'm adding here? What are my own stories or labels or memories that are being attached on here that maybe like they're informative and great, but are they really representative and respective of the whole room? You know, like just like a smell may envelop, you may go in and there's a very loud, intense person. 
And then your background could either be like, oh, I feel super safe with loud, intense people. Like someone knows what's happening and they're in charge, you know, and that's the story you attach. Or you may be like, I had someone who abused power and they were really manipulative and loud, like intense people are like overwhelming to me. And that's what you're presenting into it. It's the same scenario, but so much is added on top of it. So I wanted to explore overall of how do we read a room? How do we dissect our own interpretations of things to see things for actually what it is? Like, is that even possible? And so for this episode, I wanted to bring in my guest. Her name is Mebra. Welcome, Mebra. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So I know Mebra. We actually have a similar job title in different companies, which is kind of where we, we run on the entrepreneurial operating system. It's EOS. So the term for our role is integrator. And not many companies run on this particular framework. So if you see another integrator, you're like, oh my gosh, I get what seat (laughs) you're filling right now. Like I totally get what it is. And so we just connected from a networking dinner. Yes. And then it all just went from there where I feel like we got to know each other so quickly, so deeply through kind of the shared coaching Mm -hmm. group that we were in. Yeah, we then parlayed it. So we were invited to a networking dinner of some other local companies in downtown LA. It was amazing. Um, It was the dinner was like by Death and Co. And it was like delicious food paired with really cool drinks. (laughs) We should have Ubered because each each meal like had a different drink and I'm a lightweight. So like next time I go, I will for sure like be prepared. But it was incredible. But then we then joined an entrepreneurial coaching group Mm -hmm. that met once a month. Um together and we like bonded professionally and personally like pretty deep pretty fast yeah instant connection for me I feel like it's so rare to find individuals who you can who instantly get your work self Mm -hmm. I think our work we spend so much of our day there and not those two things should obviously be integrated but in your case at least it was like oh my gosh this person I connect with I feel like I know as a like human being and a personality but also Mm -hmm. she also we also get this side of each other, which felt really special. Totally. And it's like the alignment of like not only terminology and understanding of day to day, but like, especially that coaching, I'd be like, what would you do? Like, what have you done? How does this happen? Or like, and I feel like it was just invaluable for us to have that shared understanding. Yes. Yes. Couldn't agree more. But talking about reading a room is I actually wanted you on here is because you're very good at this like I feel like you're like you can pick up on understanding and I do think you also like kind of hold back and observe you know I feel like the observant quiet ones are (laughs) the most dangerous in the room Oh gosh! but I thought Mm. you'd be a great one because I feel like you naturally are just curious about people yeah and also picking up on it so I wanted to take like go down the rabbit hole of this topic no totally and I honestly when I I heard the topic I was like oh I like it and then I thought about it for about two more minutes. And I was like, I don't like it. Like, does it just end there? And maybe for people listening, they might think, what, what is the meaning in this topic? Why is it even important to talk about reading a room? Yeah. Uh, I loved what you said when you said we're meaning making machines Mm -hmm. as human beings. And I couldn't agree more. When we walk into a space, we're instantly trying to read it. And we're like, oh, I have those frames. Where did you get that couch? I literally was doing that to you when I walked in. (laughs) Um, And so my field where I work is in architecture. And for many of the artistic fields, it's all about how do you create meaning for what a lot of people feel like might be a Mm non-necessity. Obviously there's shelter and things like that. But when we talk about 
uh, when we put art on museum walls and things like that, and we go to go see it, I feel like there is uh, meaning and impression that's left with beautiful works of art, just like the impressions that people make mm -hmm. when they enter a room. So I think we're to return back to reading a room. Anytime we come into interaction with people, we are absorbing or leaving those types of impressions. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't think they're impressions. I think that sounds too temporary. I, I do mm -hmm. think those, it actually can be very lasting and impactful mm -hmm. when we start to be intentional with it. So I'm excited about this topic. Really, really excited. Me too. We have a little, like a couple different prompts we're going to go into, but first, so you yeah. alluded about architecture. Tell yep. a little bit about your background. Like who is Mebra? I know it's such a vague question to ask people, but I mean like at a high yeah, level. Um, high level. Okay. I'll start with architecture. Uh, since I brought it up, I very much wanted to I didn't know what I wanted to do at all, but I knew I wanted to help people. That's the most cliche answer ever. But I also knew I wanted to be involved in creative work. I was born into it, saturated, grew up in it. And so I didn't know what that would look like. But long story short, it landed me in architecture. And I've kind of fallen in love with that intersection. Uh, as a human being, I'm a twin. And when you're a twin, it's very humbling because it means that there's another person in existence who can read you so well. Oh my you gosh. cannot hide. They know your flaws. They know your entire family history. Uh, you still need to meet her. I can't wait. She's honestly such a fun person. But yeah, that's me. I'm a twin, born and raised LA. Now a quick pause to hear from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Aid. Efficient offers fractional virtual assistants whose sole purpose is to help people who are making a difference. Are you bogged down in your email and still managing your own calendar? Delegating those tasks to a high caliber career assistant can free you up to utilize your time towards the areas of your best and highest use, allowing you to focus on the areas you truly thrive in. Learn more at efficientaid.com. That's efficient, A-I-D-E.com. Okay. Back to the episode. Okay, the topic, read a room. Why would you want to read a room? I was thinking, and there's an unhealthy and a healthy side to it. Yeah. I think an unhealthy side is, I feel like it's power to read a room. It's power to understand where the group is. It's power to be in tune. And it's also kind of like a control of like understanding where people are. I think the healthy side is diagnosis. You can diagnose what's happening there and then ideally elevate it. So it's not just reading. It's like, what do you do with it? But I think that's overall of like, why is this topic even interesting is I think it's like, it's like a wielded power. Like hmm. if you like are a hero, you're going to diagnose and try and make it a better space. If you're going to use it against it, then you can read people's weaknesses or you can read where the gaps or the insufficiencies are. But what would be the point of that? What would the follow-up be? Totally. And I, I would argue there's equal opportunity to this power. Mm. It's not that like you or I are born naturally amazing at reading a room. Yeah. I think I genuinely believe this is a skill that can be learned, which is why we're talking about it. Um, in when my case, when I think of like why it matters, often I, when I think of diagnosis, I think of what would be true if it didn't exist? What would be true or what would be true if I lost it or if I failed at it? Mm -hmm. And so there's, I can think of memories where I have failed to read a room well, and they honestly make me wince. It's, I remember, Please share one. Okay. <laughs> I remember this one time, uh, I was, a, there was like a friend date 
that I was set up on. So a gal moved to town, mutual friend wanted us to meet so she would know people. We meet at this restaurant and I was waiting there for her. I got there early and then she walks in and I immediately just went to my default, super extrovert, very kind of overwhelming loud my bro, which I know you, I don't know if you know exists. No, I've never she met does. her. She does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I can just remember she walked in and she was, her body language was reserved. She was, I instantly was like, she's quiet. She's shy. She kind of flinched back from me, mm-hmm. even as she was walking. And I like, it felt like slow motion montage. Like I'm trying to reel it back and yes, stuff it myself back into the toothpaste jar, which is <laughs> yes. impossible. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, wrong approach instantly. But it was like, that was already out there. Right. And so I had to like dial it back. I was lowering my voice, softening my tone. It's like, okay, we need to be a lot more gentle and chill. <laughs> totally. Like that, that energy clashed there. Yes. And you're like, okay, I'm the one who set this tone. I'm the problem. <laughs> totally. And yes. then trying to adjust it back where it can be. It got off on the wrong foot. Into- but it was a great day. Mm-hmm. But it's a little funny story, and I don't know why I still remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, that's why it matters. Is it's it is about making a strong first impression, but mm-hmm. also so much is built off of that. Yeah, I think so much too is like the posture of what your intention is of going into a room. You know, mm-hmm. like if your intention is like oh gosh, to yeah. make that new friend feel comfortable. Okay. You're going to adjust, yes. you know, from that of like, I want to make her feel comfortable. So I'm going to read the situation, assess and everything. There are other different intentions of like someone may want to go to a room. Maybe it is just to feel out and understand people. Like maybe you aren't even just trying to change the temperature. You're just trying to understand what is there and even like assess it. And so I was thinking of how would that happen? Like, how do you go in and assess? Hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's interesting. I think intention matters a lot. Some people in that bad story, for example, I resorted to my default, which was probably established in large groups with loud noises and things. I don't know, you know, where I'm like, this is from a bigger family. Yeah. I came from a bigger family. I have to make a larger impression to be heard or something. And Uh, so I, I defaulted to what I thought worked pretty well most times. Um, but I think when it comes to actually intentionally assessing, there's nothing better than the individual approach. Just like Mm -hmm. walk up to one person, introduce yourself, get a sense of who they are and how they know why you're there and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. and also I think for me, it's helped also to be, uh, to intentionally decide to be me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, to, to the right extent. Like I want to, it's so easy in social situations to try to be what the room is, mm-hmm. but that's not the point of reading a room. I mm-hmm. think the point of reading a room is actually, um, more others oriented, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you can augment and elevate the space or the environment or the gathering mm-hmm. as opposed to serve your own purposes look really good, be really popular. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Like, I feel like the fine edge of like, um, doing it for good versus just for selfish intent is like exactly what you said there of like, is it just to like, look awesome? Is it to be a chameleon? Is it to show up authentically and connect? I think maybe even authenticity Hmm. is a little bit of what can kick it over to one side or the other. Yeah. Or where, where it might be something, 
Like if I'm being inauthentic, someone might point at your inability to read a room and say, that's shady. That is uh, manipulative because mm-hmm. you're just trying to get everyone to like you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you yeah. could be read while you're trying to read a room and change it. That's totally. the weird inverse yeah. there. Yeah. I think also um, one thing you were saying of like meeting that person and then kind of adjusting. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like reading a room, too, is I'll I'll go in and some certain people it's actually kind of either uncomfortable for me to be around like someone who's like someone who I feel like is highly anxious and trying to get a gauge or assessment or reading me. I feel like, Whoa, like let's just talk. Like, no, you don't have to overlook into everything I'm saying, but it's kind of like those mirror neurons of picking up on that energy. Like I think there also is something of like it, you can feel palpably when someone's doing that. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Hit me. How much do you enjoy the feeling of being read by someone else being read. Oh man. I, I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I don't think I hate it. Cause there's a part of me that wants to be known yeah. and a part of me that wants to be seen. Yeah. I think I would be more concerned of like what they're picking up over what they would do with it. Like the, there's an instance of like, I can see if I see my mom and I haven't seen her in a long time or whatever, she could look me in the eyes and ask how I'm doing. And I'm just like, well, you see my soul. So there's no way I can say anything else. I feel like it's when someone who truly sees me, that Mm. is like the best space and also the Mm. scariest space. So I feel red. Like, how do I feel red? It depends on who's reading me. And if I want them to see me, Mm -hmm. like if I don't want to be seen, then I feel really uncomfortable and I feel like a little violated or weird if I want to be seen then it's scary but also like thrilling and fulfilling at the same time yeah I love that well and I think it does have so much to do with the person on the other end of it yeah I imagine you being read by Aaron would be like that's the safest space totally but a stranger icky if you feel exposed and vulnerable in a gross way Yeah. Or like, what is their intention of going into it too? Like Mm -hmm. I know people who actually are very great at reading rooms, but I think it's just because they're honing in on things. There's, they're just really great critiquers. Mm. I don't think that's like that because they want to do things amazing. I think they want to be like, I noticed this and this and this, and these are the undertones people aren't picking up and this is what it is. And that one feels yucky too. Yep. That one's when it's like, oh, if you're reading me, like, yeah, you maybe picked up on certain things or mannerisms or flashes or emotions. But you don't have the full code book. You don't have Haven's. Yeah. Like you don't really know like the the backing of it. You're just picking up on a couple of cues totally. and then informing your own story. Yeah. But what about you? Because especially you have a twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, so for most people, I have to be honest, like if people we're going to watch this and they know me, they know I hate being read. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know why I'm, I, I've been accused of being enigmatic and I think that's probably true. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's less, less to do with being read and the fear of being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. The minute someone reads you, uh, if they're a trusted individual, great. But then if they take that information and use it against you or misunderstand it in a way that you, you're in, it doesn't align with what you're actually intending. I think we all have that fear of being misunderstood. And so yeah. maybe that goes down to it. But with my sister in this case, it's actually a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. She knows how to read me so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't count how many social situations we've been in. And I just have to look at her and she gets it because there's a whole shared history. There was like, 
someone said a word or they did this mannerism or all I have to do is, I don't know, mouth the word dad to remind her that we need to talk to dad about this, you know? Yeah. So there's, it feels like a shared language between the two of us. And so that is something that's actually really special and cool. And you actually also did have a shared language <laughs> that you told me about once. Can you tell I us? did. I did. So I think when I was thinking about this topic, about reading a room, um, I want to dive a little bit into like what it actually means. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of dynamics. There's body language. There's the words we use. There is uh, literally the energy that a group of people bring yep. in a specific situation. Think a networking dinner versus a gathering with your all girl best friends watching a show together. The, I mean, like vibe completely different. So different. Yeah. So that's, that's part of it. But I also think of reading makes me think of, uh, language mm -hmm. language makes me think of fluency. And so it's important. Language goes two ways. It's not just my ability to read text mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. It's also my ability to speak. Mm -hmm. And there's this funny story that came to mind with our shared language. Mm -hmm. So my sister and I, we were, we thought it would be the coolest thing to have our own secret language that no one in our family could understand. Yes. Very twin of you. It was very twin of us. We had a whole spy phase. There was a very, I feel like especially millennial kids had a big spy, spy era. It was huge. Huge. We huge. were all like walkie talkies. I was, I was code breaker. I was. Yes. I mean, like, hire me, CIA. I did look up jobs at the CIA. <laughs> you did that. Yeah, it was the millennial in me. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so we picked the easiest one, Pig Latin. Mm -hmm. And it, what was hilarious, we got very, very good. No <laughs> one in our family could understand. It was pure gibberish to them. We could just do it whenever we wanted to. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, but we had one great weakness, which was I learned how to speak it really, really well. Mm -hmm. And she learned how to hear it really, really well. Mm -hmm. We never reverse roles. Mm -hmm. So the, all the communication was going <laughs> was in one direction. Oh my gosh. I'm the eldest, if you can't tell. Yeah, that's um, the very oldest of you. It, it is. And so I do think that when it comes to reading a room, we are limited by our own abilities. Mm -hmm. And so I do think reading a room is two-way. It's not just being observational, quiet wallflower mm -hmm. and picking up on everything and mm -hmm. not telling anyone. It's also what you leave in a space. It's the impression yeah. that you make. I think it's so true on all of that stuff of like, I think to read a room, it requires a little bit of self-awareness is I can only really pick up things on the outside that I can either identify or understand about myself. Mm -hmm. That's why I can see it out there, you know? And so I think it's also like, some of the best people that I think can read rooms are typically super self-aware. Mm. And I also think that they have self-control because it's also, it's like, I'm just going to pick up on things. I'm going to hear things, different data points. I'm going to gather it, but I'm also not going to make these interpretations or assume like I'm going to have control and not like guess. Like, I think that's the fault of like when I started the the top of this episode saying, I think most people think they can read a room. I think they jump into thinking I can read it and it means this. I think reading a room is being like, you know, I'm picking up on this or I noticed this or this came together and this is the vibe of what I'm thinking. I think reading room actually requires a ton more question marks and curiosity mm. and open-endedness than stamping things on there. Because again, so much of it is our own interpretation. So much of it is our own responses that are coming out there. So you really only can hold it loosely. And even if you're, you know, majoritively accurate, 
I think it's also kind of holding it and being like, that was one glimpse of time. How are we ever really going to know? Yeah. How, what would you say then is like the secret to reading a room? The secret to reading a room. That's a great question. I'm trying to think of the people I know that are really good at reading rooms. I think it's, I think it's curiosity and not assuming you already know. Mm -hmm. And then it's multifaceted. I think you look for the leader in the room of the tone setter who mm -hmm. all isn't always the most obvious. I think you look and see like, who are, who are other people looking to? Cause that's, that's the person who's going to set the tone here. And if I can gauge their tone, I can kind of gauge the others, but then you do still kind of look at the other people on the outskirts as like, are they enjoying this? Was this something that like they were going along with? Like what's maybe their mannerisms or their behaviors or their undertones? I think so much of it is what you're talking about with like the body language. Mm -hmm. I think it's body language. I think it's undertones. I think it's small side, like kind of comments or, you know, <laughs> vibes that yeah. we're picking up on where yeah. I think someone who's really great at that is just aware to like, peel back and look for the tone setters and the themes. Hmm. You're not going to be able to pick up on everything there, but like what are the general themes that I felt coming from different people when they were like speaking or behaving or responding? Yeah. What would you say? I think you, honestly, the first answer that comes to mind is humility. Like, and mm -hmm. you, you've said it mm -hmm. right when you said like, it's knowing that you don't, have all the information or all the answers. It's the ability to know that when you walk into a space, it's it's not a, necessarily about you. Mm -hmm. And I think there are really smart people out there who know how to read a room and actually influence a room, mm -hmm. uh, but they're doing it for their own gain. And mm -hmm. so in, in our case, I think the power of it really is what you do with it. Yeah. And to me, it matters that when we walk into a room and we have the ability to maybe pick up on things that other people aren't noticing, what do we, what do we do with that? Yeah. I think we have a choice and it's unfortunate if we choose to just be wallflowers maybe, and maybe mm -hmm. it's not a safe space. I don't know. And we've all been in situations like that where we're like, or maybe you don't have the energy for it that day. Yeah. But I also think like, I like to imagine a world where we can, I don't know, find the folks who are quiet and loners and strike up a conversation with them. Yeah. Those are typically the ways that I love to use it. Yeah. Cause it, it, those are like the interactions that tend to surprise me and be a lot of fun. You know, as you were talking, something came up too, is like sometimes the people who I think are the like very highly attuned at reading a room, it's actually kind of a trauma response hmm. is they had to be highly in tuned with their caretakers for safety mm -hmm. of being like, what is their pulse? What is the temperature today? Like what's the weather? And then how can I like not make waves or how can I please? And like, I think actually reading a room can be sometimes to someone's detriment. Like yeah. as much as it's a skill, sometimes you could be so aware of how everyone else is there that, it's not like, well, what do I want? What do I think? What do I say here? It's all, what's the response of people? How do I like, you know, be copacetic here? How can I like not make waves and yeah. keep it there? Like sometimes you can pick up way too much on nuances and oh, over modify your behavior. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And I think if it's like, we're all, there's a gift in interaction. I feel like human relationship is one of the gifts of this life. And so, uh, to read a room to such extent 
that it makes you shrink into yourself and mm-hmm. minimizes your you've maybe through past history have not wanted to make waves in a space. Mm -hmm. You don't like to be noticed that has generally gone poorly for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I've seen, and I've, I've have good friends um, who tend to shrink into themselves. And I think I have too in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's unfortunate because a lot of people are missing out on the gift of that person and who they are. Yeah. And that each person there is like, it all adds to the color palette. Yes. Like it's all needed. Oh, massively. I love, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about in a friendship, mm-hmm. how special it is when you have a friend group of, let's just say four people, mm-hmm. that friend group has a dynamic that is unique only to those four people. Mm-hmm. Remove one of those friends, whether by tragic circumstances or distance. And there's a loss that's true and real because they, that person brought out something out of everyone mm-hmm. that only they could do. And so I believe that's true. And if you amplify it on in any social scale, that's um, so accurate, but it's a, it's a beautiful truth of friendship that I just lock into my head. I love that. Yeah. How do you feel like this plays out in leadership? So like you huh. have employees that you manage, like, how do you go? Everyone, there's always something happening with someone. Yeah. So like, what does that look like with you on the work front? I feel like I, I, it's like a, survival kit 101 knowing how to not read people but uh really listen like Mm -hmm. you and and not make assumptions about what's going on the thing that I've had to learn too and actually I realized I was poor at was um I've been able to team up with some amazing people and these amazing people also are also very good at reading others they pick up on things and so I love that they gave me this feedback. I remember one of my teammates shared that when she would walk up to my desk, there would be times when I would, my body language would communicate, I don't want to talk to you, even though I was saying with my words and like, yeah, what's your question? Or, hey, Mm -hmm. what's up? How can I help? It was like two mixed messages. And that was also probably, you know, who knows, maybe it was, maybe I felt that way or maybe... (laughs) Maybe I was just trying to get my brain off of whatever it was on yeah. at my computer screen. And there's that transition period where it's just like, you're so disoriented. And I'm so glad she told me that. It was a piece of golden feedback very early on in my career, which I think is really, I'm trying to get better at, mm-hmm. but I'm not perfect. But it was huge. Mm-hmm. That that little moment of what am I leaking or um, not regulating that mm-hmm. I don't intend to to do or to communicate. And I think it's great she said that to you instead of like making up some intention, unintentional story of like, oh, Deborah's mad at me or man, she's upset that like she gave me that project and I'm not doing well or like all of these things that she could have tacked on yeah. to why or why not you may have been behaving that way. But in just telling you and giving you the opportunity, like it also cleared up a lot of I feel like there could be like some relational issues when we fill in the gaps Without oh, the story. massively, massively for, for in my case, like, I think what I learned is I always think about what I say typically. So whatever I say, that's what I want you to hear the loudest. And in her case, she picked up on body language mm-hmm. as number one. That was just what she was best at reading. Mm-hmm. And so that was a situation where I had to realize and go, oh, let's cool. Let's recalibrate. I need to pay way more attention to my body language because mm-hmm. that's not what I intended to communicate. Like, course you can walk up to my desk mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh and I also need you to also uh, like trust when I say yes 
what's up? Let's talk. Let's connect. How can I unblock you? Yeah. So I like I don't that. know if that's answers your leadership question, but it's been a I think it goes into the reading of the sense of like it's not just words, it's body language, it's mm-hmm. all the other things. It reminds me of a story too of I have a friend who's pregnant. She's talking about how like unwanted people are touching her belly. Like she's like, I don't understand why they're trying to touch my belly. Yeah. And I was thinking, and I was like, I've been pregnant twice. No one has ever tried to touch my belly. Like never. And I was like, I don't think I give the vibes that I'm like, yeah, please touch me. Like, I was like, what is that? Like no one ever wants. And I was ready. Do you know what I was going to yeah. do when someone's going to touch my belly? What? I was prepared. Cause I was like, are you going to do like a Taekwondo move? No, or I'm not going to hurt you. I won't hurt you. <laughs> like, I, I try to reach like, no, what? But I'm not going to tell you what it is until I do it. So basically imagine you're a stranger and okay. listeners, if you're listening, I'll explain this afterwards. If you're not watching explain like you're a stranger be like oh my gosh and then reach out and like touch my belly oh my gosh Wait, come close enough where it's like okay yeah i just would touch you back and look at you <laughs> and then i would just like sit this silent is, and, and we're be, just gonna have our hands on each other's bellies yeah and be like isn't that weird like stop touching mine i'm so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah so basically she reached to touch my belly and i just reached back at her and i stared but i was ready and i realized though i was like there's something energetically where i think Heck people yeah. could tell like yeah. I'm not the pregnant lady for you to come unwarranted. I think I did have some people ask and I was like, if I was close to them, I was totally fine. If I didn't know them, I was like, uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Like, thank you. Oh man. But like, I think that is of like the body language, like people yeah. can pick up yes. on stuff. So, and, and on the topic of leadership though, this is actually like something that a lot of people have researched. I mm-hmm. think and I could be misquoting this, Daniel Goleman, he did a lot of research on emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and how it's a key thing in leadership. And one of his five, he breaks it down into five pieces. One of them is Mm self-regulation. And I do think about that as like, what are you uh, in control of or not in control of that's being communicated through body language, through your emotions, through your physical responses to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some days when you're having a bad day, things leak out and you're just like frustrated mm-hmm. and your team picks up on that. But to, the more we can be conscious and mm-hmm. intentional with how we are emotionally self-regulating in a work day, that has a huge impact on your teams. It totally does. And I think even in a digital sense, like this mm-hmm. comes up, like obviously like Zoom is so popular on there. I know your companies and person minds like fully remote for the most part. We'll get together like every quarter for like some strategic planning, but outside that it's remote. But I was like thinking about this topic and I was like, no, you still absolutely can read people. I don't think if you have like a zoom of like 75 people, like I do not think you can read that. I think you can. 75. I have a story about that. Okay. I want to hear that next. And then I say this one first, but I'm very intrigued. So I had some direct reports come up. We do like a daily huddle and then everyone came up on the screen and just immediately I was like, oh, like thinking low energy, like Hmm. it's a different kind of day. But I was like, okay, like we'll see how it goes. And everyone was touching in and then like their checkups, like a lot of people had some rough circumstances, either personally or professionally. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is that? Like, is it biological, like facial cues you can tell? Is it like the tone of voice? But there is some power to it. I think especially though, it's caution of not adding a story in the gap, but allowing the gap and saying, I don't know. Like, it's not the story of like, oh, they must be upset that I gave them all this assignment that took them a long time. Or like, this was an issue that they were trying to work through. None of that. Cause so much too is like our own insecurity and fear coming up in those scenarios of like why someone may or not 
may not be behaving in a certain way, but it's opening and being like, huh, feels kind of low energy. Let's keep seeing it and seeing why and then pulling some more information. And then again, like it doesn't have to label it good or bad, but I do think that before you jump to a conclusion and make a story, it's important to like see all the facts or like see what presents. But I want to hear, how do you read a Zoom of 75 people? I don't think you, okay, I need to caveat that. I just, it came to mind when we were talking. Um, it was an instance where I viscerally read the room and like, it felt like the room was reading each other. So uh -huh. in 2020, I got into grad school the, and because of COVID, it was all online on Zoom for the first year. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, a, and it's a larger school. So it was a program. My core alone, my schedule had like 75 people actually mm -hmm. who would meet. And so orientation, I remember logging on, entering this Zoom and like, it was, it was weird. It, I immediately felt the presence of these 75 people where I was like, and it, maybe it's because they're not my normal like social world, but mm -hmm. it, it was a high, con it was an MBA program. So you have high assertive, mm -hmm. very decisive, extroverted, very smart people all gathered on the zoom. And it was like, maybe the critical mass was why it was so powerful. It was like, yeah. I was the quietest in the room. You know, like you're like, oh, so this is what it's like to be surrounded by like so many people who have a lot of similarities that, with me, but are X more in each category, mm -hmm. which has always felt like, you know, you, I don't know, unique to me or something. That is so, it makes sense too of like, I think there is that kind of critical mass kind of moment where yes. it's like a lot of, energies feeding off of each other. A lot of people are similar, especially when it's intense. You well, know? yes. And I think everyone was trying to like leave a strong impression. So there was no, like, I don't know, there was no hiding. People wanted to talk, people were ready to debate. And it was a really cool, I mean, it was a very special culture Yeah, that I realized is a little bit unique. Yeah. But for someone who I'm typically like in social situations, I'm really chill and like uh -huh. laid back, but there's, there are those sides of me and us that often work engages. Mm -hmm. And it was being in a room full of people who are exponentially more in those categories. And I love that too. Cause it's like, even hearing you describe it, it's like, okay, they were engaged. They were assertive. They were ready to make their presence known. Yes. They were very smart in this MBA program. They were eager to learn. They were like, you can even hear this and like feeling the high energy, like that is palpable. Yes. It, it, it instantly set the tone mm -hmm. for the entire program, for the way that we would interact. Yeah. So it was really special. I mean, one of the questions that kind of came to mind though, as I was reflecting on or hearing you share a little bit about the ways that we read the room uh, and how we need to like leave space for interpretation. One of the thoughts that came to mind is our brains are often wired only to notice what's different. And so sometimes I think that helps us in new situations or with picking up on uh, folks who are close to when we notice something different mm -hmm. about them. But how do you... How do you read a room when it's full of your closest people, people who you just assume you know what they think and mm. how they're going to act? I think those can be often like the that, most dangerous Yeah, because we think we know and we operate out, out of thinking we know and maybe we do, maybe we don't. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of like our family settings, like 
I, my immediate family, it's why we live in Los Angeles is they're all like within like 30, 45 minutes. So it's like always someone's birthday. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's awesome. always a holiday. Mm-hmm. It's always a random game night. Tomorrow night is my grandmother's 80th birthday and she has a whole theme. We're all coming up. She wanted us to have shirts written on it of like what I stand for and for us to tell her what we stand for. Like, oh my god, my family's into theme parties. My sister had a housewarming and it was just, it's all theme parties Wasn't all the time. Was there a Taylor Swift one too? Was there a, did we do a Taylor Swift one? I don't know. Eras? Eras? Oh, my mom. Yes, we did. You did. My okay. mom's birthday. I was <laughs> right. like, no, it wasn't Taylor. It was my mom. We did eras of her life and we okay. all dressed up of like her as a child, her in her teens, <laughs> her older, and we got wigs and outfits. Um, yeah, it was her big 60th. So we went all out for that one. So always a theme party, but I think of going into family parties. <laughs> I can like, I can totally read if my brother is tired from work and he does yes. not want to talk because he'll just do this face. <laughs> it's just like a closed mouth, like pleasant smile, very tired. Just hmm, I'm here. Like mm. I can tell, you know, that like sometimes I think especially my sister, we can read each other similar to you and your yeah. sister where then can it can also be like a, well, what are you picking up? What are you picking Like what? Like are we going to side text about this or, you know, like just kind of like almost like too hyper, like let's pull it back, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And then, Oh my, my dad's just there for a good time. I love that. He's there to hang. He's there to be with the grandchildren. (laughs) And then my mom's the party setter. She's the one who's setting the tone of like what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. her husband Pete always is making delicious drinks. And so, but all that to say is like a family setting. I think I could pick up on like big, big stuff but like the day-to-day stuff, I don't know because like, again, like, you know them, you know, and also I think they know that you know them. And so they don't want you to know about something. It's easy to just not bring it up. I think it's, and that's, that's the danger for me where I might be guilty of kind of turning off that part of my brain mm-hmm. uh, where it's on and new situations or social situations. Uh, but I might not be as intentional about paying attention to what's going on and asking, like not even assuming, just yeah. asking. I think that's the biggest one is like, we may be so intentional with our friends or our coworkers or whatever, but like, especially family of being like, Hey, you had that big project. How did it go? Mm-hmm. Or like that part's so hard for me. Cause you think, Oh, we know each other. We see each other at last month's party, you know, like, but I, it's a really good response to me too, of like, reading the room isn't just like these big un- new group settings that we're trying to figure out. Like it's your family settings. It's like the most immediate circles. But one interesting question I wanted to ask you of like, what do you aspire? Like what impression do you aspire to leave a room? Ooh. And it can be family or work and maybe it's different. Maybe it's the same. Ooh. Okay. Um, that's a good question. So like, honestly, I had two answers came to mind. One is like, a little bit more surfacey, but mm-hmm. in a in a work setting, for example, uh, I very much aspire to bring to leave an impression of like calm in the storm. Mm-hmm. I think I heard a story once. I don't know where it was of this lady who sounded like a boss in her field. She was a Broadway producer, mm-hmm. and someone who worked with her described her as like unflappable. The woman was just so calm when everything was going wrong, right? When you're in the middle of production or something. And so I don't know why, but I kind of pinned on that and honed in and was like, I want to be like that. Mm. Um, And it also suits my personality a little bit. Like that's just in general, 
the the vibe that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a from a more personal standpoint, I I do aspire to in my because of my faith, I believe in leaving a fragrance of Christ, leaving something mm-hmm. beautiful when you leave a room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know if it necessarily comes from me. I do think it's more about uh, the way that you interact and mm-hmm. hopefully seek to serve and bring out the best of others mm-hmm. when you're in a room with them. But I think it's even kind of wild you say fragrance because that's what we initially, yeah. I didn't know you were going to say that, of yeah. talking about like smelling a room of like it envelops the senses. Yes. Like a fragrance cannot be denied unless you have breathing issues. <laughs> like, And it's missed if it's good. If, yeah. You, you think about it. Those are the yes things you actually remember about totally. space. Totally. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, how would how would you want to be remembered? That's interesting. That's really really interesting. I asked the question. I was not prepared to answer <laughs> it. <laughs> um, let's see. I think in most settings of life, I think it's like just centered and like I don't necessarily. It's like oh, like leader knows what's happening, but someone who's like, yeah, I feel pretty grounded and pretty centered and like what's going to happen out there. I'm not going to let it affect me. Like the, the quote I think of, of like ships don't sink from how choppy the waters are outside. They Mm -hmm. sink when they let that water get inside. Mm -hmm. And so I think of it like that, of like, I'm going to keep sailing and like the outside waters, I just, I'm not going to give them permission to get into my boat. Um, so I think it's like the centered grounded, like, yeah, I feel, I feel like leader. That's, that's what kind of comes to mind. But then I think in the family setting of like my immediate family, brothers, yeah. sisters, or my kids, the thing that I would want to leave with them is like that they know, like, I really, really, really want to be here with you. Like, I love that. I choose to be here with you. I love you for who you are. I will make time for you. I will be present with you. You are the top priority to me in this moment. Hmm. And I think that's how I would want my children, my husband, my family, like a select few. I don't know if I want everyone like, and I'm saying don't want everyone to feel that way. I don't have the capacity to do that for everyone. Sure. But for the people in my life that I've chosen to, that would be the impression I would hope is like Haven always, when she was with me, it wasn't checking off a box. It was because she chose to be there. She cared about me. She remembered things and I felt seen. It's beautiful. I think it's knowing that the rooms are different. Like the tones you're going to read are different and the impressions you want to leave are different. I think it goes back to intentionality. So I think of like the themes of what we've been saying is like, I think humility Mm -hmm. of like assessing like self-awareness and self-control to read. And then I think also intentionality of like, okay, with that information, like what are you going to do about it? Like what is your target? I, and I love... I, I hope that sounds exciting to people and not manipulative. Yeah. I think what you're going to do about it is probably one of the greatest uh, gifts you can give yeah. when you walk into a room. Because who you who we are as people is just so complex and cool. And, and for me, I think uh, we've all, there's ways in which we can limit ourselves in those situations. And there's ways in which people might limit us Mm -hmm. the way that they're reading into a room. Yeah. And so I think that not doing that, I like having the intention of not trying to limit others Mm -hmm. in that sense. I don't know if that makes any, it doesn't, even as you're speaking, like you said, like, you know, not being manipulative. And I was thinking, why does that have a bad connotation? Like to manipulate forms, to manipulate things like, 
manipulate with bad intention is different. Like I don't want to manipulate a human. Sure. But a potter manipulating clay or painter is paint. Yeah. Someone manipulating like her energy or bringing their own thing. I feel like that, like to increase it for the better. Like, I think that is a skill set. I do think it's similar, like fire, you know, like in the right scenario, it's life giving, it's helpful in the wrong hands. It's arson. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. It's less of like, it's not an evil in and of itself or a good in and of itself. It's like mm-hmm. who uses it and how they use it. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately determining it's, it's harm or help. So if we were breaking it down of like takeaways of what mm-hmm. does it look like to read a room? Like if someone were, I think it'd be a fun experiment after this too, is like for friends to go into group settings and then afterwards be like, what did you pick up on? What did you read? And seeing like, are you guys similar? Are there differences of what you thought? So like, how would you kind of give people handles of Hmm. practicing this in their daily life? Yeah, I think, I think it starts with just the intention too. If, if it's, I do believe it's a skill that you can learn. And so setting that intention of, all right, I'm going to be listening for what I can absorb and also trying to also make leave something of meaning Mm -hmm. with what I bring. So I would say set that intention first. And then when you walk into that space, turn on those senses and suspend your judgment. I think that's a really big one. Um, Don't just assume because it's your familiar group of friends that they're your familiar group of friends. Mm -hmm. Who knows what could have changed in their life? Um, Who knows what they might be bringing from their day? So be open to that. And then maybe the last would be... uh, be intentional, even if it's just one small way with what you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you set that intention as like, I want to talk to one pers- new person today, or I'm going to find the person who's quietest and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a way I think you could almost gamify it and mm-hmm. see what you leave with. I love that. I think it's really practical of like seeing how to really explore that. And it also makes me think of tuning into yourself to going to that setting of like, I think of when I'm driving and someone cuts me off, if I'm in a good mood, it's like, ah, whatever, you know, you do your thing car, you know, in front of you, I shall serve you. Mm. But if I'm in a bad mood, oh man, I'll get upset. I just want to slam on my brakes and I kind of look around and then oh, there's bad drivers everywhere. Like it's the same scenario, but my internal world is causing a response to it. So I think going into like whatever room, I think you also got to self check and be like, what mood am I in today and how is that going to impact what I'm seeing? Oh, hugely. Yeah. However, how chaotic it was to arrive, you know, you get to choose yeah. if you bring that with you or not. Well, thank you for coming, Mebra. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I know. I love it. You I made think- a hefty drive to get here. Oh, my pleasure. That's just part of what it means to live in LA. I love- Next time we hang out, maybe this podcast will be out and you can listen to the whole thing on the drive. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But thank you for having me. This was so special. And I just it felt like a conversation. Yeah. So it was easy. Yay. I loved it. Okay. Well, if you would um, review and rate this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, that helps really get this invisibility. You can follow, like, share, comment, everything on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts at Haven 
the podcast. I also have a newsletter. You can sign up for havenpod.com. Those come out each month. And then this one I sometimes mention, I sometimes don't. If you have long form questions or any topics that you want to have me explore or kind of go into, you can email hello at havenpod.com. If there's something that you just want to craft together and see, there's been some very, very interesting submissions come in. I have a little log of them. And so I'd love to kind of hear of like, what would you want to hear and what would your takeaways be? But other than that, thank you. I hope you have some fun reading some rooms with your friends. And um, if you have something completely different from one another, please email me. I'd like to hear the different responses. Um, Just I think it's such an interesting exercise, but thank you. And I'll see you later.